Hello. Yo, yo, Anthony. How are you, man? Good, yo. How are you? I'm keeping it real. Um, yo, someone linked our phone call, eh? Yeah, I heard it got all over the place. How did you lose it? I don't know. Good thing that we had recorded it too, you know. You never you never know what might get out there. <laughs> well, hopefully this one just stays between us. Yeah, man. It's it's like, you know, it reminds me of Pokeroo from Polka.door. It's like whenever Japanese Pokeroo comes, I don't know how it works. You know, I only found out that Pokeroo was Jeff and I'm not joking like two years ago. <laughs> So, for the record, I grew up in Quebec, in Montreal. I know the polka dot door, but I remember the names like you do. I remember stuff like Reading Rainbow and He-Man and She-Ra. I don't remember anything else. No, you missed out, man. But listen, um, I, was, I wanted to ask you, because, um, I mean, everyone's talking about how they're dealing with stuff, etc. Oh, hold on. Before I ask you. You know who else we should bring in on this call? I totally know who you're thinking of. Who are you thinking of? I'm thinking of Buna Joseph. Yeah! Absolutely. Okay, one second. Can we unhold him? Conference him in. Yeah, bring him in. All right, one second. Okay, it's ringing. Buna Joe? Hey! Hey, man, you're on a three-way call right now. With who? Hey, Abba. How are hey, you, man? Hey, how's it going? I'm good, Abba. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. What's up? How what are you guys doing? How's quarantine treating you? I'm loving it. You're loving it? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's complaining about their kids being homeschooled. We've always had our kids homeschooled, so... <laughs> isn't that isn't that the coolest thing because yeah. we like homeschool everybody just rolled their eyes at it like two months ago and now we're considered kings and queens because we got this so down actually the, <laughs> the funniest videos are the homeschooling parents the parents that that are dying because their kids are home those are the best videos yeah for me this is kind of like normal because i've always lived by myself <laughs> <laughs> Just in the life. Um, we're recording this call just so you know, because um, it's nice to tell people when you are. But um, we had a phone call that got leaked last week. And um, so we don't know if it's going to get leaked again. So just in case it gets leaked, I just want you to know you could get leaked. Um, I was about to ask it when Anthony. Um, because a lot of people are, are struggling with how to deal with like being at home and um, of course not being able to go to church and stuff like that. And so I wanted to know what you guys are doing. How are you guys dealing with it or coping with it? Um, Cause I'm not always sure what like, what the best way is. Cause I'm sure that there's a bunch of them. What are you guys, uh, what are you guys doing Abuna? I wouldn't think, what are you doing, man? Or what do you think? I think we're, we, we just decided that we were going to start, you know, treating our home as if it was the church. 
So we still wake up early. We don't sleep in. We set our alarms. We make sure that when we wake up early, we, you know, the kids, Tina and I, we, we have a room that's dedicated to a small prayer room. We stand there together. We pray as a family. Uh, on Sunday mornings, we read all of the readings of the day so we can discuss it. And I actually still give a sermon, but this time to, you know, my children and my wife. And then we compliment, um, we compliment each other by basically sharing our thoughts and our ideas. And, you know, we, we try to transform the space that we do have so that we're still living a life that's somewhat liturgical. Right? We don't, we're not confined to the building of the church in order for us to live the life of the church. So we're just trying to bring that into our, our reality. What do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean I'm, that, that you're, you're keeping it liturgical? Sorry, what was that last question? Sorry, like, what do you mean by you're keeping it liturgical? You're saying that liturgical life's not just at church. So, like, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean that there, there is something that the church has always believed in called the liturgy after the liturgy, which is, you know, the work of the people, which is to do the work of Christ. So mm -hmm. if there is a way for us to be able to live a life in our own homes where we are pursuing that relationship with God, where we're trying to get to know him, where we're speaking to him, we're in communion with him, that that doesn't necessarily have to be confined to the reality of the church. I think if it is confined to the reality of the church, I'm not so sure what that says us about us as Christians. I mean, the first Christians didn't depend on buildings mm. for them to demonstrate that they believed in God. They were known they were known as Christians by what they did outside of the church in their own homes and even to their neighbors and what they did that influenced their entire nation. There's no reason for us now to limit that to the fact that the building is closed. I don't know. I, I might be completely out there. What do you guys think? I wonder what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. The, the liturgy uh, never ends because the liturgy is, is this work that's uh, to remain in the presence of God and to be with him. And uh, like you said, Abun Anthony, like being able to experience, to experience that with your family uh, just makes it that much more real, you know. Uh, it's not just being religious on Sunday mornings, Monday nights, Wednesday mornings, and Saturday evenings, right? It's actually, mm -hmm. it's this continuous thing. And it, and it kind of, I always try to remind people of this, is that liturgy is just joining a far greater liturgy that's going on, right? Heaven is in perpetual, you know, like the angels are worshiping and praising God, and there's this, this work that's happening, and, and we join them. And so, yeah, it's cool to experience that with our kids and, and uh, to have these set times throughout the day and breaking the day up with, you know, short prayers, you know, 10, 15 minutes of prayer several times a day kind of gives, you know, it breaks up the day, it gives us something to look forward to. It brings us together in a new way. And, and it's, uh, it's actually been really awesome. Mm -hmm. So practically, what does that look like? I'm sorry, like that, may, like, I like it. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate a bit in terms of, I, I, I see what you're saying conceptually. How is it that you're feeling that like both of you, like maybe cause I don't have a family, so I'm not feeling it like, like I'm not understanding it. So what do you mean in terms of like, of what you're saying? Like, what does that look, what does that look like? 
Well, I, I think it, it kind of feels like a monastery. So I think you, you do have a family and I think you do know what it feels like. Uh, but but the, it's, the, it's the coming together as a family to pray. It's coming together with a purpose of, of being, uh, of actually, you know, worshiping Christ. Uh, and so, so it's the synaxis, it's the coming together. Yeah, so we've, uh, what that looks like is we've basically set up uh, a schedule uh, where we've set up every few hours uh, we come together and, uh, and it's, it's completely optional. It's not mandatory. There's nothing, you know, legalistic about it, but we just come together and, and we'll pray one of the hours together. And there's something about the routine of, um, you know, uh, having a place that's consecrated for this prayer, uh, like the routine of lighting a candle and the kids light the candles and, uh, you know, just at the end of the service, um, kissing the icons. And uh, it just kind of, it, like, like Father Anthony said, it, it makes your home into a church or it feels like a monastery. And, uh, and, and breaking up your day with these, you know, this routine, uh, it kind of just practically makes, okay, I, I only have like three hours before I can finish you know, whatever task is given to me because we're going to meet up again and pray. So it's kind of really neat. Hmm. So can I ask you guys each a personal question? Um, like, are you, ups are you upset about this? Nah. Upset about, upset about what specifically? The whole situation. About the church like, on <laughs> yeah yeah i'm devastated mm -hmm. yeah like i i'm i'm in so much pain are you kidding so how are you like how are you dealing with that like seriously because i think a lot of us are like because i mean like there's some people who are able to say like sure it sucks but and then they've got like all these positives but there are others that are, are more in their vein of like, no, like I'm, I'm totally broken by this. Um, and so I don't know where you guys lie, like in, in that spectrum, not that one's right and one's wrong. Um, and so like kind of how you're, you're plowing away through that. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll jump in just cause I have such a, uh, like a strong feeling about this. I, I've, I've struggled. I've struggled a lot. It's been painful for me. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, like, I'm afraid of the whole virtual world where we're, we're going to get comfortable and church will be like reduced to a virtual experience. And, um, you know, I don't know, maybe like, uh, I, I, I just don't like the, the physical assembly not happening. And uh, so for me, it's been very painful not to see the people of my parish. I really, you know, I love them. I love being with them. And there's something that you lose when you're looking at a screen. There's so much happening when you're physically coming together. And, uh, you know, I mean, the thing that, that is the most painful is definitely the Eucharist. Um, because, because it is our life. Uh, it is life for me. And so, yeah, my house is turned into a monastery. It feels great. It's wonderful. We're coming together to pray. 
but I'm devastated by the fact that, that we're not coming together as an assembly and I miss everybody. I really do. Uh, and I miss being united in the Eucharist. I don't see it as, uh, I see it as essential, essential to life. And there's a reason why, you know, the church has always said, you know, don't go this many days without it because it's essential to life. Uh, so, so yeah. That? Like, like, what are you doing when, when we can't do it? Well, sometimes I cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope this doesn't <laughs> Yeah, I don't have an answer. That's fair. That's fair. I think it's better than than acting like you like you do have the answer. But in your not ha- okay, so in your wrestling with not having the answer or not wrestling about not having the answer. But do you feel that you're finding peace in spite of not having that answer or like, is it just a day by day? No, of course. I mean, I mean, the reality is we're, it's not like because we're not having the Eucharist, it's not that we're cut off from the body of Christ. So no, I, I I don't, I don't think that it's, it's like that at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah. Is there still consolation? Absolutely. Is there, is there still union with God in prayer? Absolutely. But it's not the fullness, you know. You know, one is aware of the fullness right. of the union. But, but yeah, I mean, of course, we're in union with him through prayer. Just saying his name is sufficient. Uh, you know, the, the patron of our, of our church is, is uh, St. Mary of Egypt. And, you know, she's, you know, everybody's telling me, oh, you know, don't be sad. She didn't have the Eucharist for years. Uh, it's still not, you know, mm-hmm. it's still not a, a good enough answer for me. Uh, but yeah, of course, there's consolation in prayer and consolation in being together as a family in the church and in the home church. And I would, Anthony, what do you think of that? And, and, and your own, like, first that and then your own state. Uh, I think there's, I agree with Father Joseph that obviously there's absolutely no substitute to how essential the Eucharist is for our life. I mean, there's a reason why it is that the priest at the end of the liturgy will talk about how it is that, you know, I confess to the last breath that this is the life-giving flesh. It really is the source of our life. Um, and not just, we're not just saying that poetically or romantically. There is an existential reality that exists within the Eucharist that is absolutely essential to us. Um, but I, But I have to say that there, there was an opportunity in my very personal case that was provided where I began to realize just how much I was lacking when it comes to my own pursuit of communion with God outside of the, ter- the church building and communion with God outside of the liturgical prayers. And I think this, if there's one thing that I'm choosing to capitalize on for me and my home, is the fact that I really do think that the Holy Spirit was calling me to a state of repentance so that I could really take my, my walk with God more seriously. Unfortunately, what it revealed to me is that as a priest, I was solely dependent on the liturgical prayers, whether it be Vespers or liturgies or Bible studies or the meetings we were doing at church um, or even my own personal Bible reading. You know, I was doing all of that for the sake of preparation. 
And now I'm forced into a situation where, you know, all of that is stripped from me. And I almost feel like the Lord is asking me, are you willing to pursue me when there is no gun to your head? Are you willing to pursue me when there, there is no necessity for you to do it because no one is depending on it? Are you willing to do it just for me, for the pursuit of me? And, and I have to tell you that at a personal level, I was very comforted very quickly to realize that, you know, it's not like, it's not like the church doors were shut out of persecution. Um, I don't believe the narrative of it's the devil who shut the doors of the church. I really don't think that's a situation that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not, I got over it very quickly, not in the sense where I don't think the Eucharist is essential, but at the level of realizing very quickly that I was being called to establish a very different type of communion with God. And I think that's, that's the only thing that's motivating me right now that I'm hoping to be able to establish a reality within my home and setting a model in front of my own children who are young right now, that when they see us stand up for prayer, when they see us disappear for a brief moment because we need to say our prayers, when they see us lock ourselves up so we could read something uh, that's edifying to us, uh, when we're praying, um, the, the liturgy in the background and we're all silent as we're all doing our tasks, or when the psalmodies are praying in the background, uh, while all of us are going about our daily chores, all of those things are creating a reality within the home that uh, are having a very personal impact on us. Mm. It's no longer just the communal effect of coming together uh, in the church building. You could see how it's driving a personal, um, a personal eagerness to want to connect with God. So mm-hmm. it's, I, I think I'm, I'm being called to something very different than Father Joseph, but I think ultimately um, it's, it's the same purpose. The, and, and he's always at the center of it. It's our pursuit of him, regardless of an awakening of realizing, you know, the amount of people who messaged me in the last couple of weeks and who are saying, only now do I realize how much I took for granted the church, how much I took for granted the liturgy. People who had no problem showing up the last 15 minutes of liturgy uh, are now calling and like weeping and talking about how I would do anything to have the church open to me now. Or people who are talking about how, you know, I I used to get so lazy to go to the meetings at church to attend midnight praises. And now I'm, I'm, I'm starving for it. I want it so badly. There's an awakening. There's a realization that's happening. And I think it's an opportunity. We don't, we don't have to dwell on the fact that it's an obstacle. We really can right. seize the opportunity to transform this into uh, an opportunity for us to connect with God and be communion with him in a very different way than what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have a question for you. Father Anthony, what... What's going to happen when the church opens? I think what's going to happen is an extension of whatever is happening right now, Yabuya. And if right now people are just sitting down on a couch with a cup of coffee in their hand and Mm. they're playing the liturgy off of YouTube as if it was nothing more than just another video, and uh, then that's going to that that level of integrity and demeanor is going to extend into the future, which means that they're going to stay in that couch when the church is open. But there are people who 
they're playing the liturgies off of their screens and they're standing up and they're doing the matanyas. Every time they hear they're, they're, they're doing the matanyas. They're, they're bowing when they say worship God in pure and trumpet. They're standing for the reading of the gospel. Whatever is being done right now is going to extend into the future. I really believe that. So if anybody wants to make sure that they capitalize on these moments, then they need to believe in the real presence of God in their homes. Regardless whether it be because you're streaming a liturgy or whether you're participating in a psalmody or you're doing the daily hours um, or even if it's just you sitting there silently in front of an icon with a candle that is lit. Mm. The level of your integrity and the level of your pursuit for him is going to extend. There are people who are going to, if we announce next Sunday we're opening, there are people who are going to be there an hour before the opening. And they're going to be there with tears in their eyes because they want to get in. There are other people who they'll still show up at 1045 right before communion. So it really is just an extension of whatever it is that you're doing right now. I, I, I wouldn't expect any other change because I don't, <laughs> I still think our free will will still get in the way of whatever it is that we choose to do in the future. I don't know. What do you think, Yoba? Why do you ask the question, Father Joe? No, I'm just asking because um, one of the first things the kids said to me, uh, uh, like after a few days of the schedule, they're like, can we just make sure that this doesn't change after the church is open? Oh, the home reality, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I wish. I wish. I, I hope that's what we're doing. I hope we're redefining what we choose to do in our own personal lives. Father Anthony Paul, what's your thinking on all of this? You've been awfully quiet. Yeah, I'm thinking what you guys are saying. Um, like, I think it's, I, like, I actually think it's cool that we have these different perspectives because I'm, like, I'm, it's helping me understand other people's reactions too because they're being so variant. I guess for me, and I'm, I'm genuinely worried about sounding really um, dumb after hearing you guys. Um, <laughs> No, like after Bible, like we were, we were me and Abuna Joe were on Bible study earlier tonight. Um, I guess in my mind is this narrative of the romance, right? And so, to me, it's like this is that part of the romance where you go through hell together, right? Or you go through poverty together, where we don't have mm. to pretend that it's not poverty. Right, we don't have to pretend that it's not um, how we're meant to be, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or for another analogy, as terrible as it sounds, is like when one spouse has, for some reason, been forced to go away for a period of time for the sake of the family in some way. Um, it's not how we're meant to live, and that's why, just like with you, Kristen, we're saying you're supposed to have it regularly. I was saying no, a marriage is supposed to work like this, and in the event where it's interrupted because of like the, the right way of living. Um, not the marriage itself, but that the right way is interrupted because of circumstances. It can be part of the romance when we stay faithful. And then I guess what I'm seeing is, is a combination of what you're both saying of that. If I view it like that, then if we've been more resourceful because of being in poverty together, our resourcefulness becomes romantic where it becomes something that when I'm not poor anymore, 
I might miss. You know what I mean? Where it's like, remember when we were like scrambling for money, but we were so happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so like, it's like, it wasn't that we were happy to scramble for money. It's that we, we somehow got more intimate. I don't know if that sounds ridiculous, but that, I guess that's where I'm going with it in my head right now. I think that's exactly. That's what, on. Yeah. Why didn't you just say that from the beginning, man? It would have solved all our problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, man. You're always saying stuff like that. But what would you say then, because we're all coming from different perspectives, if this phone call were to get leaked? um, I really hope not. (laughs) (laughs) What would you do? That was so sincere. What would you do? (laughs) if, if, Like, what would be your advice, I guess, to people of your own um, different mindsets? about what are the pros and what are the cons um, in terms of what we're dealing with from the mindset, I guess, of, 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 of each of us. Like, what would you say, here's the beauty of it, here's what to be careful of, like both, both sides of it. Father Anthony? I would probably... I would probably say that the pros is that there's an opportunity for repentance. There's an opportunity for change. And I actually mean the word repentance for what it actually means. Not this guilt-driven, shameful experience that many people believe repentance to be. I'm talking about the opportunity for actual change, for a direction to completely, like there, there could be a 180 in my life if I choose to seize this opportunity. I could really embrace the presence of Christ in my life. I can transform my life and turn it into something that I've always wanted it to be. And I've always complained that there are obstacles that prevent me from that. Number one being time. And now I have this opportunity, so why not seize it? And to be quite honest, the greatest of pros that I can mention is that Christ is readily accessible to us. The Holy Spirit is present and fills all things. If that's the case and we believe that, then let's go ahead and do that. Let's invite him into our lives, invite him into our homes. Let's ask him to change us. Mm. What I would tell them to be, to be careful of is complacency. Mm. It's, it's, it's this idea of, you know, here I am going to sleep at 2 or 3 a.m. because I'm binging on Netflix. I only wake up at 1 p.m. I'm still in my PJs all day. Uh, have you guys heard of uh, COVID-15? The 15 pounds you put on <laughs> because you're staying home? No, I didn't, but I think I'm on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's the whole, the, the problem is like, you could, you could sit there and tell yourself as much as you want. Um, I'm going to read these books. I'm going to say these prayers. But this is what I love about what Abuna Joseph was saying. You know, this whole idea of we're on a schedule. We're all going to get up. We're going to do everything at this hour. Three hours later. We're going to meet again. Set the priorities. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't, just, don't just say, let me see how my day rolls out. That's not, that's, 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 you're setting yourself up to fail if you do that. And I think this is where they can really turn to a spiritual, a spiritual guide or a father of confession who can help them build that program and hold them accountable to it. Um, so I would just say, I think, I'm assuming that's the biggest pitfall because if I fall into that trap, Guaranteed, when the church opens, nothing will have changed. Right. What about you, Winna Joe? 
Um, you know, like I think one of the one of the things like Father Anthony said is is this whole like um, repentance, and I think that for me, one of the pitfalls or the dangers is uh, to kind of feel uh, like or fall into despair or to fall into things are not like you were saying in the in the uh, in the narrative of the romance the romantic narrative things are not ideal my spouse is overseas for some sort of condition you know and and for some sort of circumstance this is what's going on and then the danger would be for me to kind of dwell in that place and to be stuck to get stuck so to me, I think my repentance would look a lot more like uh, living like, you know, how Father Anthony is seeing it as an opportunity to repent, an opportunity to to really build my, you know, my union with God. And so I think repentance for me would look a lot more like uh, living in a state of trust and thanksgiving to God and knowing that he's sovereign and that he's in the business of making beautiful things out of difficult things mm. and that he can heal even this and that he can make something wonderful out of even this. So, so that would be kind of my, you know, direction and repentance. And also the other caution is I just, I, I worry about, uh, I worry about uh, this lasting a long time. Yeah, And then I worry about people saying, see, you know, you don't really, we don't really need the assembly. We're doing just fine. I think I get worried when people start quoting to me, look at how many people were together on this Zoom meeting or that Zoom meeting. And I'm like, yeah, and, mm -hmm. you know, I, that, that's scary to me that, that all of a sudden the church becomes virtual. And to me, the caution I have there is, we're already a people who live in our heads way too much and have very little connection to our hearts. And so I think the whole virtual world may lead us deeper into thinking that God is an idea and our union together is just a bunch of ideas. I like to live in the concrete, in the present, in the here, in the now. And it means something to me to, to be in the same place with a parishioner uh, to worship together, to hear each other's voices, to, to commune together, to pray together, to light candles, all these very concrete things um, uh, are super important, I think, for us. So the, the virtual um, black hole is what I'm afraid of as well as a kind of a warning. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. So then what would you say is like the, where they can where from that point of, from your point of view or point of reference, the positive aspect could be? Well, I think the positive would be to remain in the concrete at home, right? So, so like, like, uh, like having an actual schedule, setting up an actual altar and actual icons and, and candles and bowing in front of the icons and, and setting a, a space that is sacred and, and coming there often and seeking that silence and that solitude often so that when the church does open and you've created that space internally and you've repented, then, then, then you'll be able to continue that in the church and you'll be able to participate physically 
in the church as well and participate from the heart, not just, uh, you know, a distracted kind of mindless living even within the church. What would be your advice to us? Um, I guess from like those who are maybe more in, in my school or my reaction, I should say, and it's not really a school, but um, I think the positive side is um, enjoying every moment of the relationship where you're at, right? As opposed to when you're in relationship, wanting to be somewhere else. So like I said, not pretending that there's not a problem, but of saying, how do I continue to love you? Yeah. Um, the danger, I think, in there, like that's this is the part that I think we've got to be careful of, is forgetting that that's out of necessity, not out of desire, right? So saying that we can withstand the bad times by being with one with one another doesn't negate that it's bad times, and that I should want it to be good. Um, so I can't say afterwards, like kind of like what you're concerned about, like I can't like afterwards say oh but we had a great time and it's like no it, it was it was great because of our sacrifice for one another it wasn't great because it's how it's supposed to be um so i guess the, the danger is getting a little bit too philosophical about it um and and losing the objectivity part of it cool yeah well that was sad um <laughs> man well man you guys are awesome i think it's also been nice to have like um like this kind of support to like to be able to, to talk to one another like, i think it's helped to realize the need for community um and and the beauties of it when you have it so thank you guys for being awesome love you man love you too when Anthony Rothstein. I'm right here. I'm just listening to what you have to say, Abuya. Thank you. <laughs> hmm. Well, um, I'm also I'm also eating a caramel candy, so I'm trying not to make noise, so it doesn't come out in your recording. But you know, I love you know I love you the both of you very very much. So. Okay. Well, that's in that's in a recorded phone call. Just so you know. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Let's call it the night. Um, please pray for me. And pray good for night, Keep us in your prayers. Okay, good night. It's all of me. Good night, Abbas. Good night, Abbas.